is the Cloud Hub Podcast, your launchpad for Amazon Web Services. Welcome to the Cloud and Out podcast. My name is Andreas. And my name is Michael. We are two brothers and freelancers. We focus 100% on AWS. We do technical coaching, for example, for teams that start their journey with AWS and do infrastructure bootstrapping, typically based on our infrastructure as code templates. And every other week, we discuss a topic related to AWS in this podcast. And one of us prepares the topic, and then uh, we go through it together. And Michael, what is the subject for this week's episode? Um, this week, we talk about um, one of our most successful blog posts in terms of readers every month. And this is uh, CloudFormation versus Terraform. So we will have um, a look into the differences and this blog post is actually quite old, so it's, I think, two or three years old, but I recently updated it, and I added the latest features of both services. So now the comparison is up to date, and I thought it's um, time to have a look at it again. Yeah, very cool, Michael. Um, so then let's start. So what what do you have? Or... Yeah, so maybe first, before we really start um, with comparing the two tools, I want to uh, give a short introduction into the, the topic. Um, so we are talking about infrastructure as code. So the idea is that we have a, usually it's a text file. So in CloudFormation and Terraform, it's a text file. And within the text file, we kind of model the architecture of our infrastructure. So for example, we define we want to have an auto-scaling group. Um, it should be of this and that size. Um, it should use this security group. Um, uh, this should be the load balancer, so things like this. So we describe how the infrastructure should look like. Um, and what the tool does, the infrastructure as, as code tool, it, it reads uh, the text file, and then it calculates the actions that are needed to reach the, um, the goal that we define as, as users. So we don't have to define step-by-step step what needs to be done, Instead, we define how the thing should look like, and then the tool figures out how to achieve that. And the cool thing is that this doesn't only work with creation. It also works if you change the file. So if you uh, deploy your infrastructure, and then one minute later, one day later, one year later, you modify the file, you can apply the changes through the tool. And at the end, the tool will make sure that the state that you updated in the file is what is deployed to AWS. So that's kind of the concept. And um, CloudFormation is one implementation of this idea, and um, Terraform is one of one implementation um, of this idea. So, um, Andreas, I I know that you used both tools. Can you maybe provide some um, insights into uh, how long you used to the tools and what are your experiences with the tools? Yeah, Michael. So, um, so I started using CloudFormation <clears throat> a few months after I really started using AWS, and it was really um, some eye-opening um, that you can basically define the the target state of your infrastructure as code, and you don't have to write any Bash scripts, Python scripts, 
um, or anything like that, which gets quite complicated uh, very quickly with all the dependencies. Instead, you have a very powerful tool. And I started with CloudFormation, I think it is probably five years ago now, and um, was always really happy about um, the, the features and the way it works, also the quality of the service. And um, so I was a, I was really, I was really team cloud formation for a very long time, and Terraform came along and got very popular in the community as an open source tool. And HashiCorp is, I think, doing a really good job promoting it. Also, very good user experience and also a very helpful tool. But I was, I was still thinking, um, I want to use the, the cloud vendors tool, which is cloud formation. So coming from AWS. Um, yeah, because I thought this is more reliable, more sustainable, maybe from a business perspective, because yeah, the cloud provider supports it. And um, so this was why I was always using CloudFormation. And about a year ago, um, I started looking more and more into Terraform, um, mostly because um, some of our consulting clients were asking for it. They already started using Terraform, and so it doesn't then it doesn't make really sense to switch to, to cloud formation, uh, of course. And so I looked uh, into Terraform. Uh, I liked it um, and used it for um, projects since then. And um, I think there's, there's really one big pain, po pain point with cloud formation those days. And this is cloud formation misses support for a lot of new features and a lot of new services. And this is really driving me nuts when I want to implement a cloud architecture and I cannot use the latest features with cloud formation. This is really, I, I can't understand why Amazon is not capable um, of updating the service. Um, they try to, they promise to fix it, but they do not deliver on that for years now. And um, so that is why nowadays I'm, I'm really, maybe I'm more in favor of Terraform than of cloud formation um, for many use cases. Okay, Andrea. So this was like you already sounded like going into the differences and and the problems. So, um, okay, great. So I can uh, confirm that like my story is very similar. So because of the like lacking support of many of the new features, um, and especially in the in the container space, I was kind of forced to look into uh, alternatives. Maybe one thing we should mention as well is um, we have two open source projects um, with CloudFormation templates. Um, so which means we share our CloudFormation infrastructure as code and, um, on GitHub. And um, we have um, yeah, um, a collection of useful CloudFormation templates that you can use to bootstrap your infrastructure. So we, we are really deep into the CloudFormation world. Um, that's what I want to say. Um, so we will have a link in the show notes to our um, CloudFormation templates and what we also call CloudFormation modules, which is our second um, project. Let's start with the like comparison. Um, so we, I mean, there are many, many dimensions, many things to compare. So we just start with uh, one more high level aspect, and then um, I think we go uh, like deeper and deeper into the details. So the first thing that you have to understand um, what's different is that AWS CloudFormation um, covers AWS services, while Terraform is not AWS only. So in Terraform, there are so-called providers. And for example, there's an AWS provider, but there's also a, a Google Cloud um, provider, an Azure provider. There's a GitHub provider, a GitLab provider, a Datadog provider. 
You can also create your own providers if you have some experience with, with Go programming. So that's one of the biggest differences, but there's one misconception and this is you cannot deploy, like if you have your, uh, if you've written your Terraform file, like you want to have an auto-scaling group, a load balancer, things like this, then this is tied to a provider. So for example, you uh, have written this for the AWS provider, so you cannot using the same file and deploy to Azure. That's not possible. If you want to deploy to Azure, you have to use the Azure provider and the Azure provider offers different resources than the AWS provider. So you really have to rewrite your file. Um, it's not portable in terms of the resources, but uh, of course it is portable in the concepts of the Terraform language. So you can use the same tool, you can use the same like uh, yeah, features of the tool, but still you cannot deploy the same file to um, to AWS and Azure. So um, there was one announcement from AWS that kind of made me think that this could maybe change. So CloudFormation tries to like expand into the non-AWS area. And they released something called Resource Providers in November 2019. That's basically a way for uh, third parties to integrate into CloudFormation. Um, but... Honestly, um, this feature is not really used very much. And I also don't think that's very user-friendly or in, like provider-friendly. So I don't see much traction of this feature. So I think it's still the case. CloudFormation is for AWS. Terraform is for many other things. Okay, Andreas, um, do you have uh, one like difference for us? Yeah, so I think... Um one other um, important difference between CloudFormation and uh, Terraform is um, CloudFormation is a service offered by AWS for free, um, but it's it's a proprietary software, so it's only available uh, as an AWS service. You cannot use it locally, on-premises, whatever. And on the other side, Terraform is an open-source project. Um, HashiCorp is the company behind Terraform. They do offer support plans, of course, and there's also um, a server component, a software as a service component for Terraform that you can use, but you don't have to. So it works without that as well. And um, so this is maybe the biggest um, differences. So um, from a license perspective, Terraform is open source. CloudFormation is uh, free of charge, uh, offered by AWS. And um, one other thing that is maybe important, though, I think when you use CloudFormation or Terraform for a critical production workload, it is probably a good thing to have a support plan. And um, with AWS, support for CloudFormation comes with the AWS support plan. With Terraform, you can get um, enterprise support um, for the tooling as well, which, which might be helpful, at least if you don't want to uh, look into the Go source code to fix any problems if you really need to. Um, so that is um, the difference uh, from a license and support perspective. Okay, so I have also another difference for you, Andreas. And when you first start using um, Terraform, um, like as a single person without a team, um, you can use it pretty easily. But you will soon figure out that when you Terraform apply, it will create a file um, that is called the state file, TF state. And within this state file, Terraform keeps track of all the resources it created. 
So this is kind of the state of Terraform. And by default, it uh, is placed on your disk on your where you run Terraform. So this is a problem if you work in a team. Because if the teammates have different state files, things get, uh, or basically you mess everything up. So that's not that's not possible. So if you, you everyone needs to have access to the same state file. Otherwise, you run into serious problems. There are many ways to solve this. Um, you could like try to figure out how to distribute this file in, in your team. But there's also a way to use S3 as the like central place to store the state file. But then you have the problem, okay, what happens if two team members are running Terraform Apply at the same time? So that's why you can use uh, DynamoDB for locking. So this makes sure that only one of, the, uh, one of two uh, can run uh, the Terraform Apply at the same time. What I basically want to say here is that there's quite some effort to make sure that this Terraform state file is uh, in a good shape. And if you, or if this state file is corrupted for some reasons, you're really in, in big problems. So that's one of the disadvantages of Terraform, I would say. Um, so mm, there's also one other way to manage it using the Terraform cloud. So that's a like kind of software as a service offered by HashiCorp. So it stores the state for you. Um, so that's also an option that you have. Um, so then you are not storing your state on AWS, you are storing it somewhere else in on Terraform's infrastructure. So that's an alternative that might could be interesting um, and was not available when we first wrote a blog post. But the cool thing about CloudFormation is that you don't have to worry at all about all this stuff because the state is stored by AWS inside CloudFormation and AWS has to care about it. So that's not your job, basically. You don't have to back up the state and things like this. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, a like benefit of CloudFormation. The state management is really... Uh, not an issue in CloudFormation. Yeah, I think um, there's one aspect of of um, managing that state file with Terraform, and this is something that you really be have to be aware of because the state file contains sensitive data. It could contain passwords, secrets, all kind of stuff. Um, so that's something a lot of people probably uh, oversee when they use Terraform. You have to really make sure that no one can access the state file on S3 because it really contains sensitive information. And with CloudFormation, you have the advantage that this is something the service keeps track of. It's abstracted away um, from us, and you don't have to think about that. Yeah, that's a, really, I think, a big difference between those tools. Also, I think I, I haven't really seen Terraform Cloud um, in use uh, in the real world that often, so I've seen it uh, a few times, but but most of Terraform uh, customers are just using the open source version. In from from what I observe, um, so they have to deal with the state in S3 and DynamoDB typically. Okay, Michael. So let's talk about um, another big difference between uh, CloudFormation and Terraform. So um, when you create infrastructure as code, um, as you that's, you have a problem that you always have when writing code. You want to modularize your source code. You don't, write, you don't want to write the same uh, stuff over and over again. So, for example, um, a typical application consists of a VPC, subnet, security groups, auto-scaling, load balancer, and so on. And it can make sense to, 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 to create modules out of that that you can reuse for different architectures easily, 
um, because specifying all these resources in a single uh, blueprint, a single template, um, will probably cause you headaches when maintaining it uh, in the future. So you, you try to have small modules that you can stick together then um, as needed. And there's a big difference here with uh, CloudFormation and Terraform because I would say Terraform comes with really native support for modules. This is a first-class concept uh, in Terraform. And there is even a Terraform registry where you can find open-source modules. Um, um, and some of them are quite popular. So there's really um, a bunch of very, very good AWS uh, modules in the Terraform registry um, that you can use to, to build your infrastructure without really having to write down every single resource uh, on your own. So this is really a great concept. Um, CloudFormation, on the other hand, does not have first-class support for modules. Um, so you can build modules, but yeah, it's really, you, you, you use workarounds basically to do so. Um, so the, the biggest challenge with CloudFormation when, when building a module is how do you pass values from one module to another? And there are multiple options. Um, so you can have, for example, nested stacks. There is an export-import feature for basically defining global variables. Uh, and all other th and a lot of other stuff, but this is really not a first class citizen uh, in in cloud formation, and it it makes yeah building modules and using modules um, quite complicated compared to uh, what we have with Terraform. So it is still possible. So for example, we have we have an um, open source module which is called um, CFN modules, where we really have very small and fine granular modules that you can cr bring together. Um, by using um, nested stacks and npm to, to fetch all the requirement uh, the, the dependencies, and um, you can build um, your infrastructure's code based on that. But I would say it's it's much easier and smoother to use uh, Terraform modules than what is possible with CloudFormation. And I think one one big challenge is with CloudFormation there is no there is no real default on how to do it, so everyone solves that problem a little bit. Uh, different so yeah there's no really big community where you can get modules um, um, that that fit with each other yeah so i agree on, on this um, comparison because i recently wrote some terraform modules and i was really uh, excited about how easy it was like from the perspective of the module maintainer it's basically you create a github repository then you go to the Terraform registry, you point it to the right repository, and then whenever you push a tag, a git tag, it automatically releases your version. Um, so it's really nice, and there's a documentation generated, um, so there's some conventions that you have to uh, like uh, comply with, but that's really easy. And then there's a public, like a public place where everyone can find the modules, which is, I think, a very big benefit. And also, like from a user perspective, you basically, like in your Terraform file, you just define that you want to use the module, and then when you run Terraform in it, it downloads it. So it's really, you you, you realize that this is, okay, this is really a first-class citizen, and all the tooling knows how to handle it, and that's not really possible with with CloudFormation. Yeah, so I think that's a big benefit of Terraform, and both for public modules, but you can also use this like internally in your organization, so you could have your own modules in your organization. Yeah, we should definitely put some links to that into the show notes. So to link a few Terraform modules to have a look at, to point you again to our 
cloud formation modules just to compare and see the differences. Uh, also, I think um, it's quite easy to use a Terraform module from a user perspective. Um, so because you can just include it into your um, Terraform configuration file and then it just downloads everything automatically and so on. So it's it's also really easy to use from, from that side of things. Okay, Michael, so uh, any other big differences between CloudFormation and Terraform? Yeah, so I, I also looked a little bit into the differences when it comes to uh, a way to verify changes before they're actually applied. So as I mentioned at the beginning, you cannot only create your infrastructure, you can also update it. And if you update infrastructure, you might be interested in the changes uh, and kind of want to review them before you apply them. Um, and both tools support this in a way. So in CloudFormation, we have change set, uh, change sets. and Terraform, we have a plan. And also in both tools, we can make sure that we can actually really apply the change set or the plan so that we make sure that we actually apply what we have reviewed. So that's supported by both tools, um, which is good. Um, I, I, I still think that the Terraform plan is a little bit easier to read for humans. Um, I mean, it's still tricky and you need some time to get used to it. But I was, I mean, I started using Terraform maybe half in a year before and I use CloudFormation for, for, for many, many, many years now. And I still, after some like weeks of getting used to how Terraform plan works, it was easier for me to read the output there than look at the change sets. In this regard, both tools have the same capabilities, but I think Terraform is a little bit easier to use. So that I don't think that's a big like benefit, but it's a, a very like, uh, it's just a detail. Um, but one thing that I want to mention here is that um, if something goes wrong while the update is running, this also applies to the creation at the beginning, but it's more important to the update. Um, so if something goes wrong during the update, CloudFormation will roll back to the previous state. And for almost all cases, this is going to work. And Terraform does not roll back if something goes wrong. If something goes wrong, Terraform just stops. So that's kind of a problem. So you have to kind of figure out how to uh, process forward from this kind of broken state. Uh, so that's a benefit for CloudFormation. I would say that, that it actually supports rollbacks. Um, and there are some like edge cases where it's not going to work, but for almost all cases, Uh, it will work. I can share a story on that. Um, so I was deploying a change to an infrastructure with Terraform uh, a few months ago. And um, the deployment failed um, over and over again. And then it just got stuck in that um, in the middle state of nothing basically was really working. And um, I tried for, for multiple times. I could not understand the error messages. It was really strange. Couldn't understand the behavior. Could not find anything related to that on Google. And after a while, I figured out, oh, basically, this is related to an AWS outage because I think it was um, S3, which was uh, suffering from a downtime in the region that I was deploying to. And this was causing all the troubles so basically, Terraform was trying to make a change. Um, the API call to the AWS API failed, and um, then I just got stuck in a yeah in a in an inconsistent state, and I couldn't roll back. I couldn't um, yeah make any make, do anything about that. And I think um, when I'm comparing that to CloudFormation, I think CloudFormation is more robust. It has I think it does uh, better handle retries, failure condition, and then if if nothing works. 
um, it tries at least to roll back to the previous state, which is um, most often um, no problem at all and successful. Yeah, that's. I think that's really a big, um, a big plus uh, for cloud formation here. Yeah. So when we talk about rollback, so we could also like add another like kind of feature in the same like space, and this is like safeguards. So with CloudFormation and Terraform, you can prevent a resource or you can basically configure a resource in a way that it is not deleted if you uh, Terraform destroy or CloudFormation delete stack. So the resource stays, uh, it's not touched. So for example, this could be your database. Um, and that's a very basic feature. And CloudFormation adds um, some more capabilities on top of that. So for example, for databases, CloudFormation can also create a snapshot before it deletes um, the resource, so then you have a backup. And so in this in this regard, I think CloudFormation also has a little bit more features uh, to make sure that if if something goes wrong and a resource is, is recreated that you likely uh, have not expected and you have not really uh, gone through the, the change set, then CloudFormation can help you a little bit better. But this is still something that you have to configure um, I think for databases, it's the default that they create a snapshot before they deleted the resource. But um, for other resources, it's something that you have to configure, but at least you have the, the, the features and the capabilities of the tool to, to support it. What else do you think is different between the two tools? Yeah, I think um, a very important difference is um, um, a feature that I call weight conditions. Um, <clears throat> so... When you create infrastructure as code, you have basically you do two different things. You do API calls, AWS API calls to set up all the resources. For example, create an auto scaling group, spin up virtual machines, um, stuff like that. Um, create a database, whatever. Create an S3 bucket, all that. And then <clears throat> it's also, but what what to get your system running, um, you also need oftentimes to provision, configure, and bootstrap your virtual machines um, or your containers, what have you. And um, the thing is, for that, it is sometimes very helpful to be able to wait, not only until the resource has been created, but to wait until, I don't know, a service is ready, um, uh, a virtual machine is uh, booted completely, stuff like that. And um, CloudFormation comes with wait conditions, um, so we can define, um, this is an EC2 instance, and please wait with uh, all the dependent resources until um, a process running on that virtual machine has signaled this instance has been um, created completely. So the services are running, for example, on the machine, or I don't know, if we have um, restored uh, everything from a backup, stuff like that. Um, so you can basically send um, signals to those wait conditions via HTTPS and the, the CloudFormation tool, the infrastructure as code tool, can wait for those signals to happen. And this is a feature that is not supported by Terraform at all. Um, that's probably because there is no backend that, um, that, for example, a virtual machine could talk to because you're just running Terraform uh, from your local machine or from your deployment um, pipeline. So that is something um, that is not possible with Terraform, but it's something that is oftentimes very helpful also, especially if you do distributed systems. Um, 
where different parts have to wait um, for each other. So this is um, um, a helpful feature. Of course, you can solve it with other tools, um, but it's kind of helpful to have that in your infrastructure as code tool as well. Okay, so I, I think the next difference that I have on my list is kind of going into a similar direction or it kind of depends on what you uh, introduced. And this feature is called rolling update and this is this applies to auto-scaling groups. So with CloudFormation, if you basically if the launch configuration is replaced, so if you make a change to the launch configuration, it is replaced because it's a like it cannot be changed, it you have to create a new one. And then the auto-scaling group is updated and references the new launch configuration. And if this happens, you can define a so-called update policy for the auto-scaling group. And in the update policy, you can define that a rolling update should be uh, initiated by CloudFormation. This means if there are four instances running in the auto-scaling group, it will replace, for example, one instance at a time with the new AMI. You can configure all kinds of things, so how many instances are replaced at the same time, if they are first added or first removed. So there's a lot of configuration possible. And... This helps you to kind of deploy AMIs, like new AMIs into your infrastructure without um, like risk of losing or basically without the risk of a, of a downtime if something goes wrong. Because you do it in a like like one by one fashion. And as you know, uh, as you already mentioned, if something goes wrong, CloudFormation can roll back. So that's kind of the big advantage here. Um, with Terraform, that's not so easy to implement. Um, so the Basically, the only way to do it is to deploy in a blue-green fashion. So you spin up a new auto-scaling group with the new AMI, and then the old one is, is removed. So that's kind of the way that it works in Terraform. So it, I think the capabilities in CloudFormation are a little bit more evolved uh, compared to what you get with Terraform. But it's also fair to say that you could also use other tools to do this. So uh, maybe you want to use CodeDeploy, for deploying the changes so then you don't need CloudFormation at all in this process. But um, yeah, still CloudFormation has some like better support, but it only is important if you deploy to EC2 instances in auto-scanning groups. Yeah, that's that's a very good uh, point, Michael. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is um, how do CloudFormation and Terraform handle uh, existing resources? Because sometimes um, you don't want to start with your infrastructure as code from scratch. You might have created a database manually already. Um, um, or, I don't know, you might want to, I don't know, restructure your um, CloudFormation templates, your, your, your Terraform code. And you just, you just need to import existing resources in a way. And um, Terraform supports doing so, so you can import existing resources into Terraform, into your state file, basically, and then you can add it to your code as well. And then it um, it looks for Terraform as this has always been part um, of your Terraform code. Um, CloudFormation added support for importing resources as well, most likely because this was a difference between Terraform and CloudFormation, and it was missing on their checklist. Um, but they are, they have implemented it, I would say, poorly. Only a very small number of resource types are supported. Um, so you, you add, add an, I say, basically, you cannot really say that this feature is, um, <laughs> is existent because, yeah, it supports a bunch of resources, but um, it's, it's really um, not at all um, implemented completely. 
Um, yeah, so that's that's how you import um, resources. Terraform has another interesting concept because sometimes you maybe don't really need to import a resource. You might just need some um, properties of that resource in your uh, in your code or reference that. And um, Terraform has the concept of data providers. Um, so this allows you to query attributes from existing resources, which can be helpful as well. And maybe um, then you don't need to import the whole resource at all into your uh, Terraform code. Um, so that's that's an interesting concept as well, which is not um, existent with a cloud formation at all. Okay, so... The, the next point that I have on my list is, uh, and this was also kind of mentioned by you already, Andreas, is about secrets. So in CloudFormation, we have many ways to work with secrets. And secrets are like integrated from AWS Secrets Manager or from um, the parameter store that um, is part of Systems Manager. And the cool thing in CloudFormation is that there's a way to embed secrets without ever storing them in CloudFormation. So this is called, I think it's called dynamic reference in CloudFormation. So there was a way to do this uh, with parameters before. If you if you inject a secret via a parameter, then I'm not quite sure if that's true, that is not stored. But if it's a d- dynamic reference, then the value is never stored in CloudFormation. And it's also never outputted at any like time in CloudFormation. So it's it's not possible to leak the secret through CloudFormation. Um, the kind of bad news here is that um the dynamic reference references um for uh parameter store are not working with any property it's just a small list of properties uh, if they come from secrets manager then you can use them everywhere so i mean they're always these small like problems but um if your secrets are in secrets manager then you're pretty in a pretty good shape or in a pretty good position um so in terraform it's a little bit different um you can read secrets from remote backends or from environment files but the the big change or the, the big difference here is that at any or whatever you do wherever the secrets are stored they will be placed in plain text into the terraform state file so this was mentioned by you already andreas and then basically the whole terraform state file becomes a secret um and that's i think that's kind of unmanageable um, so I don't know how to really deal with secrets in Terraform. I think it's it's simply not possible. Um, like at the same level with CloudFormation, where you never expose the secrets. Um, yeah, so that's a big difference, I think, um, where CloudFormation really shines. Okay, so yeah, we're, di- we're, we're diving into more and more details now. Um, but I think it's still interesting if you compare those tools. Um, the next section is um, loops and conditions. So both CloudFormation and Terraform are descriptive languages. So in theory, there is no such thing as a while loop or an if statement. Um, but both CloudFormation and Terraform have workarounds for that. Um, CloudFormation comes with first-class support um, to enable or disable resources if a certain condition is met. Um, however, there is no really way to loop uh, in CloudFormation over an array. Um, on the other side, um, Terraform comes with support for um, creating multiple uh, resources by just defining one resource and then having kind of a loop uh, of that resource. 
And um, you can also use the same concept to enable or disable a resource if a condition is met. Um, but but conditions, I would say, are not first class citizen. It's kind of a yeah a workaround or um, using the same concept. So I would say conditions are a little bit easier to use with CloudFormation. Um, but Terraform, on the other hand, uh, supports loops, um, which is only uh, available in Terraform and which is oftentimes quite helpful, stuff like creating subnets um, where you have a lot of uh, resources that are most uh, like or almost the same, but you have to create, I don't know, three or five of them every time. So this is a little bit easier to do with Terraform. Yeah, so maybe to make this a little bit clearer, basically the condition in Terraform is a loop that 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 starts and ends at zero. So it's like a loop that doesn't really loop. Um, and what I was running into recently is that we already mentioned that there's first class first class support for modules in Terraform, but the problem is that the loop feature is not available in modules. So you cannot enable and disable a module uh, because you don't have loops. And so Terraform is working, or the HashiCorp is working on this problem but this was kind of like yeah kind of frustrating yeah the module um, itself has you... basically to support that yeah they ha- yes. you can uh, yeah but not all of them do <laughs> yeah okay so um the next difference and that's i think it's a convenience feature that maybe not everyone is aware of that it actually exists is uh, cloud formation can tag all the resources in a stack with a set of tags out of the box so when you create a stack or uh, you can basically define the tags that are applied to all resources. So this makes it easier, so you don't have to remember adding the text to all the resources in your template. You can just like configure them when the stack is created. So that's very convenient, um, and that's not possible with uh, with Terraform. So I think it's easier to ensure consistent tagging in CloudFormation because of that feature, but we also have to say that it's not perfect, the feature, so it doesn't work for all the resources. Okay, Andreas, I think I'm more or less done with my uh, comparison. Do you have any other like thing or uh, item on your list? Yeah, maybe one small thing that I would like to add is um, linting and auto-completion um, is available for both tools, CloudFormation and Terraform. And I really highly recommend to use uh, CF and lint or TF lint. Um, to make sure you catch problems in your infrastructure as code before you deploy them, which makes the the cycle you go through uh, much faster and you can really much faster create um, those infrastructure as code files. Um, and so I think uh, tools are available for both um, and um, definitely check them out and use them when using CloudFormation or Terraform. Okay, Andreas. So I think it's time for like a summary, and I'm I, I'm 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 looking forward for your summary as well because maybe our summaries are different. So my summary is that um, CloudFormation and Terraform are both like mature and powerful tools. I would say that CloudFormation has like is a little bit more mature. It has more features, but the big problem is that CloudFormation kind of lacks coverage for many services or many features of services. And that's much better with Terraform. So that's why I find it I, I find it really hard to kind of say that okay we have a clear winner here because like feature wise CloudFormation is I think the winner, but the problem is that service coverage wise CloudFormation is not the winner. And at the end, what can you do with all these great features if you cannot deploy 
EFS for Fargate. So I'd say that if you're using with technologies that are like, like, or if you want to use the newest AWS technologies, my recommendation is to go with Terraform because you will be very frustrated with CloudFormation. So is this also kind of your, uh, like your advice? Yes, I think so. So right now, over the last two years, um, the lack of um, support for features and services, new features and new services for cloud formation is really frustrating me. And um, that means uh, I would favor Terraform uh, over cloud formation at the moment. I think it's, it's not only for really the hottest uh, features and services of AWS. It's sometimes really helpful features also for um, legacy lift and shift applications. So um, I don't know, there's a new feature for RDS that you want to use and then you cannot do because CloudFormation does not support it. Um, of course, it's it's worth when you go into the, the container space and stuff like that, then, then it really gets worse um, with, um, with CloudFormation coverage. Um, but I think it's also for, I would say, the more boring services. You're still missing important features there. And it's not only the latest features. So some of the features uh, that are missing in CloudFormation are more than a year old. Uh, so you cannot really say it's, a, it's the latest feature. <laughs> and so I, I really don't understand that. So um, um, Terraform is typically uh, really fast with implementing um, new services and features in the their provider. Um, so typically maybe a week or something. And uh, with CloudFormation, some features are, are missing uh, for, for years now. And um, uh, AWS started um, a GitHub project where they list all the missing, or basically where we as a customer have to <laughs> have to um, provide them a list of all the things that are missing. But I can't see really good progress there. Um, so for for whatever reason, this big company uh, is not capable um, of. It, or probably they just don't want to, because that's basically uh, the only the only explanation for that. They don't care. Um, uh, of implementing those missing features. Um, so that's a bummer. And I think, uh, I, personally, I prefer CloudFormation um, because of all of the features and the state management and rollbacks and everything. Um, but the missing support for, for features and services um, is definitely changing that right now. And of course, we are really kind of a little bit um, locked down into the CloudFormation ecosystem because we have so many CloudFormation <laughs> templates and modules. Um, but it's also simple to um, to convert them into Terraform. Uh, so I think that's probably something uh, we will start uh, in the future as well um, to to be able to to work around that problem. And there's one one last thing um, <laughs> I want to mention. So one thing that I'm um, a little bit frightened about is that um, that HashiCorp is sold to to someone. <laughs> I don't know Microsoft, whoever. Um, and um, that we will then have problems with AWS support um, in the future as well. So I'm not. Um, that's that's my only fear with using Terraform is um, how sustainable is is the whole ecosystem and the company HashiCorp that is behind Terraform. Um, that's my only um, concern about Terraform those days. Um, yeah. So. One thing to add maybe is that the the AWS provider, like Terraform's AWS provider, is not maintained by Amazon. So that's kind of different with other cloud providers. And so that's also interesting just to know that if you're using it. So if you use it, you basically rely on, and that's really like more or less open source work. So that's some, I mean, HashiCorp is doing lots of things. 
but it's also like really open source world uh, work where just people contribute to the project so it, it doesn't has uh, or it doesn't have like or it doesn't look like it has uh, official support from aws in terms of uh, like implementing the latest resources okay andreas so i think we are mostly done so there's one thing i like to mention before we end um so if you are um or basically it doesn't really matter which tool you use so if you are familiar with cloud formation it doesn't take like a lot of time to get familiar with with terraform because you will very soon realize that the resources are actually very very similar so the way you have to like wire up a load balancer is the same as you uh, do it in cloud formation the resources the properties might be a little bit different but uh, the like the the mechanics are defined by the aws api so that's the same for both tools um so it's i think it's very easy to to switch if you're familiar with one of the tools and with the cloud provider itself so if you're interested like our listeners if you're interested in learning a little bit more about aws and cloud formation in specific then um, i can recommend our like our book uh, amazon web services in action it's uh, available in the second edition so it was updated already and it gives you an introduction into aws but it really goes very deep and uh, so it's i think 17 uh, chapters long and the cool thing about the book is that it really starts using cloud formation very early on so i think the first chapters are with the ui and after chapter three or four we really go into cloud formation and everything you do from chapter four on is cloud formation only so that's really i think a good way to learn how the services work but also how you can configure them with cloud formation so if that's something that you're interested in um, check out the show notes and i will add a link there and you have some uh, like a lengthy book to to read through and learn uh, all kinds of things about aws okay andreas um so i think it's time to end so do we have some like uh, maybe want to give some uh, information about how our listeners can give us feedback and and things like this yes sure so yeah thanks for listening and thanks for coming up with the topic um for this week uh, week's episode michael um, so uh, to your listeners, um, we ask you to please share the Cloud on Out podcast with one person um, that could be interested. Um, this helps us very much. Please also um, send us your feedback. Um, you can do so by sending us a private message. You will find uh, links to Twitter, LinkedIn, and our email address uh, in the show notes. Um, or, uh, which is also very helpful for us, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. So, for example, with Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, um, leave us a rating there. Um, that helps us uh, very much. So, thank you very much for listening, and uh, we will be back in two weeks. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye.